0: is the bloody disgusting podcast network
1: so what you gonna do with that we're going
2: hunting so what you hunting it's crazy
0: evil. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio.
1: I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor. And we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 203.
3: Here's a Boo Crew fright fact. In 1980s, The Shining, Jack, Jack, Jack Nicholson decided to throw around a tennis ball inside the Overlook Hotel. The script originally only specified that Jack is not working.
2: This time around, you are joined by multi-award winning recording artist, Kesha. We not only talk to her about her journey redefining pop music, but all about her interest in the supernatural and the unexplained. True crime, horror, Nick Cage, and how it's all wrapped up in her wonderful new podcast, Kesha and the Creepies, available everywhere you get your podcasts. We'll dive into her latest album, High Road, which you must check out if you haven't already, as well as the time of release, her incredible new single with Sam Felt called Stronger. Get Creepy with Kesha on episode 203. It starts right now. Hey,
4: animals, this is Kesha, and you are getting creepy with me and the Boo Crew.
1: If you want to get
0: all we need another victim crawls onto the gurney for a boo crew autopsy
2: joining bloody Discussing's boo crew via the speakeasy studio is an icon a billion rays of light a prismatic warrior a defender of self-expression for all of us she inhabits the realm of raw creative energy and coexists therein with this exceptional command of her insane creative gifts She's always been taking us on these immersive and inspired journeys of sight and sound. They are transformative moments. There's very few experiences in this world in which we come away empowered. And empowerment is the very string that seems to fuse all of her work together. We will never forget the first time hearing her voice on a song release back in 2009. That would be Flow Rida's right round. Out of nowhere, this... Textured, emotive assault hit us on the hook. It was breathtaking, and it was the beginning of an entirely new era of pop music. She was this brilliant crash of 70s glam metal, garage rock, and punk with a stunning melodic sense. Proof her song TikTok was the best selling digital single in history. She earned two number one albums, two top 10 albums, one of which Rainbow earned her a Grammy nomination and countless top 10 singles that have been influential curveballs in how pop music is even approached and created. She is a multi-award winning songwriter who has shared her talents composing for other artists behind the scenes like Britney Spears, Ariana Grande, Miley Cyrus, and more. She's got her own cosmetics line, Kesha Rose Beauty. She had her own MTV series, and in 2019 launched her weird and wonderful Rainbow Ride Cruise. She is Humane Society International's first global ambassador, received an award for her passion in raising awareness and standing up for equality, picked up Billboard's Women in Music Trailblazer Award, was named one of Time Magazine's most influential people in the world. This past year, she's not only released a startling, fun, and truly unconventional masterpiece of an album, High Road, but just launched an incredible podcast through the iHeart Podcast Network, where she chats with a mix of amazing guests about their supernatural experiences, the occult, the unexplained, and much more. It's called Kesha and the Creepies. We are without question deeply honored to welcome the one and only kesha yeah!
4: I, I, that's the best introduction i've ever had in my life
2: wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much and uh honestly we mean every word of it and uh, we're incredibly honored to have you here today so thank you so much for taking the time
4: Gee, you guys too. That was amazing. I want to get that. It's my ringtone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So congrats on High Road as well and this phenomenal podcast. So first of all, we want to kind of talk about your relationship with things on other realms. Your podcast isn't just about all things spooky, but also spirituality and astrology, alternative ways of thinking. Spending some time in the dark for a sec, though. We are obsessed with horror films over here at the Boo Crew. Do you remember the first horror film you experienced and what that moment was like for you?
4: Yes. It's still my favorite movie. And I actually, my cosmetic packaging was inspired by The Shining that I have seen so many times. It was so traumatizing. And it's one of my favorite movies ever.
2: Is there anything about that film in particular that you felt moved you?
4: Everything. Just like the... The story, obviously, but where it was shot, I've been to where it was shot. I've also been to the hotel that it's based on the interior design, the cast, the little creepy kid, Danny,
3: he's fucking so scary, the twins, like the whole thing. What are some recent things you've been watching or you have seen that have affected you strongly? Well, you just brought out the hereditary head. So I like I went
4: there hereditary was shocking and then also by the same director midsommar was also shocking those are two that like stick out that i i kind of get obsessive and watch things over and over when i really like them and the same with records so i like listen to them over and over peeping tom have you all seen peeping tom it's from
2: i guess the 50s i have not
4: it's about peeping tom that like is a total creep and it's shot in hyper color which I love. It's where everything's really extra blue, just like extra colorful, like the wizard of Oz. And I love old school horror movies. That one's one of my favorites. So if you haven't seen that, I, I rewatched that recently.
2: Wow. I think actually uh, read recently about that movie. That's even a precursor to black Christmas is one of the like first POV films. It's shot from the perspective of the character, right?
4: And that's like, And you follow it and you kind of don't know what's happening. It's so good. It's like, it's one of the first, it's, kind of a groundbreaking movie, but also it's just shot beautifully and you would like it.
2: What in being scared awakens you?
4: It's just so fun to be scared, right? It like makes you feel alive. I love I've like jumped out of an airplane for the same reason. And I go swimming with sharks for the same reason. I live off of adrenaline. I love it. It's addictive. And when I go on stage I feel that same rush where it's like, mm, who knows what's about to happen, but Shit's going to be fun. Like roller coasters or like, you know, and that's how I feel when I watch scary movies. I like to scare the shit out of myself. I don't know why.
1: Do you see being scared as uh, escapism or more just of a thrill as entertainment?
4: I think it depends on which movie I'm watching. Like there are certain ones that hit really close to home and almost are like existentially hits you like there's a movie i recently watched called i'm thinking of ending things which really isn't a horror movie but to me it was fucking horrific because it just like makes you get so in your head about life and just to me that's almost the scariest kind of movie for me like watching alfred hitchcock movies that's just like pure fun that's just good old fashioned fun
2: and now you've taken that pursuit a step further and for a while i know uh, a few years ago i had read something that you said uh, you were on tour and would consciously seek out haunted hotels to stay at even
4: yeah i i feel a little bad about this in hindsight but not really because it was fun but i would route the tour like usually like i toured with macklemore most recently so He would go to, you know, on a day off, he'd go to, like, the nearest big city and do normal things. And I would take my bus. Some people here were on that bus. And I feel a little bad about it. But I would find, like, the most haunted, creepiest, like, one of my favorite places is in Fort Worth. And it's a haunted brothel. And so I made the tour sleep there. And half of the tour was, like, fuck this at 3 in the morning. Went back on the bus. And it was just like, it's a little bit fun for me to try to,
3: like, have interactions with the supernatural. Like,
4: it gives me life.
3: Have you ever thought of writing a book about all the haunted places that you've been at and your experiences? I haven't thought about it, but that's such a good idea because I'm,
4: it's really like, I love touring. But then, and I love traveling. But then on the off days, like, I like being scared. I like visiting cemeteries and paying respects. I love going to places where there have been UFO crashes, like anything that's just supernatural or weird or unexplainable. I'm so drawn to it.
2: Are there any impactful moments in some of those haunted places on the road that maybe solidified your opinion of the paranormal?
4: Yes. So the haunted brothel in Fort Worth. And the first time I went there was with an ex-boyfriend. We're driving cross country. He made us stay there. He hated it. I loved it. And all this stuff was happening before we fell asleep. And then I remember I was woken up in the middle of the night by something kind of like brushed beside of me. And I woke up and looked and there was a figure standing at the end of the bed. And it was the first time I actually saw an apparition. And I remember thinking like, this is really real because I didn't feel scared. I didn't feel, I didn't scream. I just felt really, I felt sad for her. And I, that's when I was like, I know this is real because this, I'm really feeling the spirit, as you would call it, like the spirit of this person. And she's just so stuck and confused. And that was the first time I knew I'd experienced something truly
1: supernatural.
4: Molly? Yeah, Miss Molly's. Miss Molly's. Fort Worth.
1: Did you ever have a tour stop uh, in Wisconsin? I believe the venue is called The Rave, I believe. The, the one across the street from Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment.
4: Yeah, um, I make up go there. Okay, I love the rave in Milwaukee, it's one of the first places I saw live music when I was like 16. I took a Greyhound bus from Nashville to Milwaukee to the rave to see a band called The Darkness. So we get there, I have a crazy time, I have beautiful memories of the place, it's super creepy. There's a haunted swimming pool. Jeffrey Dahmer used to come there and like try to pick up guys that he would later try to eat and murder, well murder and then eat. And I just was fascinated with this place and I've played it now three different times. And it's There's tunnels, there's windows into the pool that go to the hotel across the street. And I make, my band in crew stayed there with me and they fucking made it <laughs> okay so my assistant she's like very scared of ghosts and her toilet seat kept like shutting and then closing and then opening and then closing and opening and closing, and opening and closing. every time she leave the room and she's like I'm not staying here I refuse so I don't know where she went I think she went and slept on the bus like in the dark by herself
2: oh my god <laughs> oh <man>. jeez <laughs> wow on any tour stops or just in, you know, in general, have you been to Zach Baggins haunted museum that he recently opened in Las Vegas?
4: It sounds amazing. And he's just like experienced so much supernatural stuff. So I really want to hear like how he, how he calls it. Because every time I go to the rave actually, and I go to the hotel across the street, I'm like, please come to me. And instead Jeffrey Dahmer's ghost goes and harasses my assistant's toilet seat. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he did some incredible documentary that actually Lauren and I are too afraid to watch Leo. Leo's seen it called demon house that actually has a warning at the beginning. Have you seen, have you seen demon house? I guess it like permanently damaged Zach's eyes.
4: Oh no! yeah.
2: yeah. There's a family that owned a house in Gary, Indiana and he bought the house sight unseen And the documentary is him investigating the house. But the crazy thing about the case was so much of it, when you look at the case, is documented by child protective service workers and nurses seeing children walk up walls onto ceilings, flip over back behind the nurses, things levitating. And and so much of it is documented by so many third party people that it's really seen as one of the most recent the true proofs of paranormal activity and for that reason the documentary is apparently cursed and you know has has this warning at the beginning that you know some of this energy could transcend electronically and you know to watch it with a warning so that that's enough to scare us completely
4: yeah. we're out <laughs> now, see that makes me want to be in but now i'm scared that's Right. <laughs>
2: What about just in L.A. in, in, in general? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're local to L.A. or have been there. That's where we are. Is there any places in L.A. that you've investigated or haunted places you'd like to check out?
4: Yes. So there's a hotel downtown. I think it's called Hotel Cecil. Mm-hmm. There's weird stuff that's gone on down there. And I've, like, I've shot part of a music video there. The energy there is not cute. Not very loving, not very nice. It's very ominous energy. And I don't know if you've seen any of the footage, but a friend of mine was trying to make a movie about the place because a girl's body was found in the water tower.
2: Yeah, Lisa Lamb, that's right.
4: I've been there, didn't love the energy, got super scared. It was pretty fun. I also lived in a house on the Canyon that was right next door to where Jim Morrison from The Doors lived. So I used to like wander around Laurel Canyon. I feel like there's so many ghosts in Laurel Canyon, but I like, I'm so drawn to it. Like there's a Frank Zappa house and there's a Houdini mansion, the Houdini estate. And I threw my record release party for high road at the Houdini estate with Jack Daniels on Halloween. So yeah. so I'm just like, I think we're in the same boat of like to scare the shit out of ourselves.
2: Yeah. What did you shoot when you were at the Cecil?
4: Okay. It was the very first video I ever shot and it was for a song called Backstabber. I don't even know if you can find the video for anymore. It was like 100 million years
2: ago. And did you even know the history of the hotel at that point? Was it chosen for that particular reason or it just happened to be a location?
4: No, we were just rolling around, like had no money at the time. It was just me and some of my friends dressed up in like clothes. We found a goodwill like it was like my first video kind of it was very janky production no we didn't know what we were getting into it just felt like very creepy but i liked it but i was scared of it i don't know it's a hard feeling to explain when you like are attracted to creepy stuff and you don't want to be haunted but you like really want to see ghosts so
3: I I don't know
2: <laughs> the internal debate.
3: <laughs> Do you ever use a Ouija board to contact spirits, or is that like off limits? I have in the past. In high school, me and my friend went across the street from her house into a
4: cemetery and used a Ouija board. And ever since then, she's like, I don't fuck with Ouija boards. And she was like, You have to promise me you'll stop. She started having nightmares. And she was like, I'm having these nightmares that are like really gory. Just you can't fuck with it anymore. So I was like, okay. I don't know what that means. She never went into detail. But like, it sounded pretty ominous. Now she's a hospice nurse. She's like, it's okay with being around people passing away and everything. But I've seen her recently, like on FaceTime. And she was like, no, don't fuck with Ouija boards. It brings the evil in. So I kind of trust her on that one. Do you guys play
3: with YouTube cards? We're like kind (laughs) of such scaredy cats. Yeah,
2: I mean, we are like firm believers in the paranormal enough to like not even want a paranormal experience practically. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) like, that terrifies us.
4: Oh, yeah. It is terrifying, but it's like really fun. But then it's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I just know that if I if I ask for a ghost, I'm not going to get Casper. I'm going to get some freaking demon. You know?
2: so I'm like, I'll stay away. Well, I wanted to comment on the podcast. I mean, first of all, you're such a fantastic conversationalist. You have a yes, very <laughs> soothing delivery. Everybody talks about it, and yeah. it, it comes very second nature to you. Talk about deciding to make in the Creepies a part of your world and a, and a part of ours. Yeah, well,
4: thank you. It means a lot coming from. You know, professional podcasters that have been doing, I feel like a little bit like a little kid trying a new thing. This is a whole new world to me. And I think, especially if you're like a singer or an actor, so who can do a podcast, I'm very well aware that I have a lot to learn. So I appreciate that a lot. I felt really insecure the first couple of interviews because I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I am genuinely just interested in talking to people and hearing about their spiritual experiences, their weirdest experiences, their supernatural experiences, anything that's unexplainable. I recently talked to Demi Lovato about her experiences with extraterrestrials, and I'm so interested in that just through meditation and all of those kinds of things. I love hearing different people that I respect and their perspectives on what is going on in the world. Cause I think a lot of things in life are driven by a fear of dying. Right. So, which is why I'm attracted, I think to scary movies because it makes that whole part of the everybody's like, we're all going to die. And it like focuses on that. Whereas a lot of other genres of movies focus on the life where scary movies kind of focus on death or avoiding the death that happens in the afterlife. And it's something that's always fascinated me since I was a little kid. I think it's something that drives a lot of people to do what they do. I think I make music because I want to leave a legacy of positivity and joy and a little bit of nihilism and all these things because Maybe it matters, but maybe it fucking doesn't, and no one really knows, but I'm super interested to gather all the information I can about people's experiences on this earth, and especially the weird shit.
2: Mm, Makes sense.
1: Yeah, in your debut episode with um, Alice Cooper, uh, you're talking about ghosts and paranormal activity in your Nashville home. Has the activity stopped or followed you at some point in your life? I sold the house because of that.
4: And I sold it to Steven Tyler. <laughs> nice. I didn't know he was buying my house and he low-balled me. And I was like, okay. And then I came in and oh, what's fucking Steven Tyler? <laughs> but no, I ended up selling that house because I just like, it always had a little bit of a darkness that I could not get. I kind of got it out of my system, but the house never felt fully light. So I kind of made the move
2: has steven reported anything weird happening he did wow it's also a beautiful experience too you had young blood on your most recent one he was talking about the girl who told him her story about not getting accepted by her parents and that he wrote a song based on that she invited her parents to the show and they were able to see the acceptance and the celebration of people like her basically and he was wishing that one day he'd play a a show and you know, in her city and that she'd be there and he'd be there and everyone else would not know that the song was about her. And they were having this moment. It was a beautiful moment. Are there any favorite moments that you've had in discussion on your podcast recently? That's something that comes to mind. That's one of your favorites.
4: Well, that just gave me chills when you were talking about that. Cause I, I do think that he and I share a strong affinity with our fan base. Like we really feel like this camaraderie of like, we are outsiders and we have a place to go. And so when we were talking, I was really relating to how we feel. It's just like he creates a safe place for his fans. And I've always said, that's all I want to do with my shows, create this safe place for people to come and just be, be yourself. Like 100% of that is. Don't feel judged. Don't feel unsafe. Like feel safe, feel secure, celebrate yourself and like be you because I, I never felt like I had really that kind of environment growing up, except for a music show. And so I had a really nice conversation with him about just his connection with his fans and I related to that. And also with actually Sammy Hagar. The weirdest thing. I didn't I was like, I don't know what we're gonna have in common. You never know, right? Pray for the best, but you don't know what's gonna happen. And he was just had a bunch of really beautiful experiences, like with being abducted by aliens and seeing his father come as a ghost to him the night that he passed away. And he said that kind of sent him down the road of making music and being who he is. And I just found myself loving this guy that I didn't know I had that much in common with. Really beautiful part about doing the podcast that I'm finding is through having a conversation with people that you've never met. I don't know where in the world you are. It looks like you're in a haunted house know i like can get to shoot the shit about a common interest and then i feel like through talking to people you find humanity and common ground and another thing i really like in my podcast is just getting to talk to people because i think there's a lot of people yelling about things right now and i feel like having conversation is really beautiful and can be like i don't know just a nice way of connecting that isn't aggressive yeah All just people and like a this i know i've had some pretty weird experiences we're all pretty weird so
0: let's talk about it
2: yeah yeah and those are the stories we really don't get to hear much of so it's it's much appreciated
0: the boo crew will be right back what are you afraid of some fear being alone in the dark some fear the darkness inside themselves some fear what the future will bring Some fear what has lived in the past. But given the right time and the right place, there's one thing we're all afraid of. A ghost story. Ghost story. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent.
2: UFOs. You've mentioned it a few times already today. What a year for that. I mean, twenty twenty saw the Pentagon releasing those UFO videos that Tom yeah. DeLong's group had, had already released prior. And the you know, Pentagon saying, Yeah, these are legit UFO vids, we don't know what they are. And then Hamish Shed, that former Israeli space security chief last month, saying that we've been yeah. in contact what is your thoughts on everything going on, especially, you know, in this past year and where we are right now with that?
4: Very strong feelings about all of this. I'm very glad you asked. I have seen things myself in the desert setting up a tent. I've seen fireballs in the sky in different formations. And so I've seen that. I haven't had. kind of one-on-one personal experience that demi lovato was talking about but i'm trying to work up to that like i try to meditate and call the extraterrestrials if it's safe for them and i've really been trying to do that and it's like a goal of mine now but i really believe truly in my heart i believe that they are giving us information little by little about extraterrestrials to normalize it make it not seem so crazy and across all media platforms, you've seen just like little bits of people talking about UFOs. There were the monoliths that were over 160 of them and just little things like even on there would be like a TMZ story about extraterrestrials and then we had New York Times story about extraterrestrials. And I just think it's being slowly fed to us to the point where it's just going to be told to us in the COVID, what's it called?
1: It's a stimulus bill.
4: Okay, the stimulus cell. So, in 180 days, they're going to release all the information that they have about any contact we've had with extraterrestrials. And I think it's really important because we're here on this planet killing each other. And I think if we would make this connection with an outside, I mean, unless everybody just starts trying to kill them, which I could see people doing, unfortunately, you just realize that we're all just part of this galaxy we're all part of this universe we're all part of this thing and we're all we don't need to murder each other about it like let's just be peacefully let's all survive together and I feel like we're all part of a bigger thing I think that once we are aware and it's confirmed by them whoever people we listen to are I feel like it's gonna just it at least makes me feel less self-important. And more like
3: humbled and a little bit more like okay sit down be humble would you ever want to go into space uh, yeah i have a
4: song called spaceship that i wrote about that very thing about how i'm like i'm waiting for it i'm waiting for it to come back for me because i certainly don't feel human my mom is convinced that there's a guy that lived in her basement named carl and he was like You're part alien. So she's convinced she's part alien. And so that would technically make me part alien, which I wouldn't, I don't think that's wrong. I kind of like it. So back for me. And I also think that like through like really deep hypnosis and meditation, like I've gone there in my mind and I just can't wait for like the dimensions to open up and kind of be a little more clear. But I know that all sounds really crazy but i do think they're they're giving us information about ufos more so than ever before
2: that's crazy that is insane i remember when i was a kid it was hard to find that information
4: and you would just be like a crazy kookadoo but it's on like new york times there are pilots there are people that worked in the air force that are confirming that they've seen things they don't know how to explain i think this is just a warm-up to the information
2: and there's all those like old bob lazar videos yeah. and books i love listening to him talk about that yeah. stuff it's just yeah.
4: oh. well, it? like why would he make all that stuff up in the um what was his name
2: Haim Meshed.
4: there's no reason for him to make these stories up he's a legitimate man that's worked in military for a long time i just think why would you say this stuff if there wasn't a piece of truth to it
2: and interesting what you said about like kind of pop culture and society being slowly fed imagery of aliens it's funny how they always kind of look the same and you know what i mean i I've been thinking of that for a while too.
4: I had like a really crazy like hypnosis meditation where I saw a gray, and I was like, but they couldn't be us in the future learning to time travel i don't know. I also spoke to on my podcast on cash and the creepies, I spoke to a uFO religion leader and he says that extraterrestrials kind of planted humans and we're going to start cloning ourselves and downloading ourselves into cloned bodies and then that's when we become extraterrestrials like there's just so many people have so many different takes and i am not crossing any of them off the list because how would i know yeah that's why i like talking to people about this stuff because everyone has their own unique perspective and it blows my mind every time
1: yeah, did you ever see a movie called Prometheus? It's sci-fi horror. It's it's the prequel to the movie Alien. But the cool thing about that movie is it does one of these things where it takes you into the origins of life, like like where the humans come from, and it gives you a very terrifying like preview of where we came. Like for example, you know we think that you know we evolved or God put us here, you know. But the movie's like answering that question for you and telling you, no, you were basically planted here by. An alien race, and now they're coming back to kill you. You know, like it's not, it's not, a, it's not a pretty ending. You know, but it's definitely something fascinating.
4: That's what they think. The realism religion, they believe that aliens kind of planted us here and come back to check on us, and we're going to start. They've started cloning people, and there's so much batshit crazy stuff out there. And I, who am I to say what's true? So I just like. I like hearing the stuff because I'm like, who knows? None of us really know.
2: Yeah. You know, randomly, I went to a Raelian group meeting once when I was in college. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I covered it for a, like I was in radio college and I covered it for a, a, like a current affairs show we were doing. And I was fascinated when I heard that they were having a meeting locally. It was in Ottawa, Canada, of all places. So I went and like watched the seminar and, and talked to some of the people, some of the Raelians. And it was fascinating.
4: Was it a convincing? Yes,
2: and they are actually affiliated with founding a cloning research company that made the news quite a few times. I think that the crux of what I learned from them was that was their interpretation of eternal life, right? Was was cloning, doing it through cloning.
4: Yes, and also they're like I'm forgetting the details because I've read so many different like aliens in the past couple of days because so many things are coming out. They think that um, their leader. Was met by a spaceship, and the spaceship had Jesus on it and Buddha, and they took him to another planet where he saw other aliens, and then he came back. He was the last prophet. I don't know. I find it all like interesting. I don't know.
2: They were building some massive structure somewhere as well. I don't know if they had ever finished it, but I saw a video all about them building this thing.
4: They wanted to put a landing pad i guess a landing pad in israel in uh i think near jerusalem i believe somewhere in like the holy land they wanted to put a landing pad i remember that
2: and then you had had demi on talking about her experience with ufos and leo you had a question about demi's appearance as well yeah she was
1: such a fascinating guest and and actually she was invited to the warren's occult museum which you know serves as the basis for the conjuring movies and she's actually seen all the haunted objects, such as such as the Annabelle doll, in that room. Have you been, or are you interested in visiting that museum?
4: It falls in the same category of, I probably shouldn't go invite that energy into my nest, but I know better, but I, of course, would go. If invited, when this whole pandemic is over, or if I could go with a mask on, fuck yeah, I would go.
1: Whereabouts is it, Leo, again? Uh, it's in Connecticut. Yeah, it's at the uh, Lorraine and Ed's home, which... They both passed away uh, you know, over the last 10 years or so, but their uh, son-in-law, Tony Spera, runs the New England Paranormal Society for Research, and he's in charge of that occult museum. So it has all these haunted objects that were in you know, demonic possession cases and ghosts and hauntings, probably all the famous you know, s- cases you've seen in movies, you know, from Amityville to the haunting in Connecticut to The Conjuring, all-, all those cases. So they like are in charge of housing these objects in one small museum, part of their home, so that the evil is not released into the wild. You
2: guys
4: would go there, but you don't want to watch that movie.
2: Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would go there. Leo probably would. He's, I, I he's, would go. Yeah. I would go. He watched demon house. We couldn't. Yeah. He went and did that. He's, he's the, the risky one out of us.
4: <laughs> you feel haunted by watching the movie, Leo.
2: No,
1: not at all. I feel like, uh, I can walk that fine line, you know, up to the paranormal, the occult and all that, but I don't have to necessarily cross that line. I'm more like the observer, you know? I'm kind of like, I'll play it safe, but I'm fascinated by it, but I'll never dabble in it. Do you protect yourself in any sort of way? Or you just. Uh, I would like to think that religion protects me, I would say. So, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in that. So it's like, okay. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't even, tr- you know, go near it at all.
3: Are there any paranormal movies that you love to watch? I mean, you just named The Conjuring. All of those are really good.
4: Annabelle's amazing, Amityville. I love like 50s, 60s, 70s horror, where it's like psychedelic horror. I'm more well-versed in that than newer stuff. The stuff that I really do like is stuff that's based on true stories. Oh, I saw on your website that you have like five cult movies to watch. And I'm like, I love a cult. So the first one's Mandy. And I'm obsessed with Nicolas Cage. I just put out a song called Nicolas Cage.
1: It's incredible, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Did you ever see Nicolas Cage in the, the Color Out of space?
4: Yes, that's what the first time I met him was at the premiere of the Colorado Space. We met on the red carpet. It was like this beautiful experience because we had been emailing and talking over text and on the phone. Because I was like, I wrote a song about you. Is that okay? He was like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Can I like sample you? And he was like, I don't care. And I was like, amazing. And so then he was like, Do you want to come to this movie premiere? So I went over there and we like, Embraced on the red carpet, and it was all caught on like camera. And I just thought it was so sweet because he's like almost like he's convinced he might be my father. So that was where we like met in real life.
2: That's damn cool. <laughs> nice. Nice. Wanted to also get into a little bit about are, are is true crime serial killers all that kind of stuff something that you find yourself investigating and exploring.
4: I love a good like a cult. I love a good. I mean. Sounds fucked up. I don't don't love a cult, but I think it's very interesting to read about. Like I remember when I was in high school, I read Hulter Skelter about the Manson murder in a week. And that book's like so big. And I just love like also with serial killers. I like the psychology behind it. I find it's the scariest thing in the world. So the psychology behind why someone would follow a cult leader, um, Jim Jones. I remember in high school, they were like for your thesis of the year everyone pick a celebrity and you like all the girls were fighting over marilyn monroe and like all the guys wanted to be james dean and i was jim jones and like i was like you're a sick (laughs) (laughs) fuck. interesting to think about the mind of what makes people want to follow somebody else and just like the charismatic element to being a cult leader. And, you know, I think that a lot of cult leaders wanted to be rock stars. And so they almost have a little bit of a preacher meets a rock star element. And I just always have been really interested in the psychology behind what makes people follow other people, especially crazy people and potential cool for those other people and move across the country and drink Kool-Aid and all of these things. The psychology behind all of that I love. And um, serial killers, I'm just like curious about the psychology behind that too. Yeah, I like have been following. They finally cracked the Zodiac code; it only took fifty years. I just am like, so interested in why people do the crazy, scary things that they do.
2: Going to music for a sec, we got to talk about High Road, which is an incredible yes. album, and it's such a tapestry of Pure liquid inspiration in the sense that it really exists outside of definition. Can you tell us a bit about the mission statement of such an intense creative exploration where it really sounds like we're crawling into your brain?
4: Yeah, that was a culmination of all the kinds of music that I like and all the kinds of music I listen to, and not really wanting to have to conform to one specific genre. And I love pop music and I love rock and roll and I love really dirty dance music. And I love rap. I love r and There's so many different genres of music that I like. So I wanted to go in kind of not having to adhere to the guidelines of just one genre. I just wanted to do whatever came naturally and put it all on an album and have it be a little bit boundaryless because I don't know i feel like for a lot of my career it's always trying to be put into one specific category especially as a woman especially being played on pop radio it's like are you this or are you this and i want to be like no bitches, i can do i can be everything you can't put me in a hole i you can't take the joy away from me like no matter what you've been through in life like you're not going to take my happiness it was also just a like mission statement on I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to choose happiness and I'm going to keep on fucking keeping them.
2: The album just runs the gamut and it's poignant and moving as well. There's, you know, a track like father daughter dance that just drops your heart or the opening track tonight. That is this epic acrobatic introduction that careens into the most insane party track ever. The one thing is really interesting is the way it's delivered the production is very unique and it's so important to capture the tonal shifts that you're taking us through on this. Tell us a bit about that process for you and creating worlds of sounds that feel three-dimensional like their own universes.
4: Yeah. I want to take people into like its own world. Like once you really are in a song, I feel like we're going on a roller coaster. like especially the first song. It's very like queen inspired, obviously. And then it goes in like Run the Jewels was an influence on that. Song. And also, just like there's a break in the middle of it where me and my friends are all just singing out of tune. I don't even know what that is. I just wanted to capture like the real essence of having fun. And I feel like it comes from the energy that you spit onto a mic first. And then, like you said, it becomes three-dimensional. I was supposed to be touring the album this year. Unfortunately, that's going to be postponed, but I can't wait to do that because I can't wait to have a church for people to come into where we can just like all dance and act insane. I can't wait for these days again where we can all just listen to these songs and I can play it and we can all be dancing and sweating on each other. So hopefully that'll be happening
2: soon. Mm, Well, the album deserves it. I'm telling you. We do have the cruise apparently coming up. I mean, it's it's got some new dates, right?
4: We're praying. We're praying to the vaccination of God we're going to be able to make this work. But yeah, of course, only when it's safe. But I can't wait to go on the Kesha cruise now. I know that sounds maybe like hell to you, but let me tell you something. I've never been on a cruise before, and this is my first cruise. With my cruise and i was like this is gonna be maybe insane i don't know like, i've never been on a cruise before i don't know the idea. like what am i what are we what are we doing what are we gonna do what's gonna happen and it was one of the most fun experiences i've ever had in my entire life it was so much fun it was like a it was like a mini festival on a boat where you can be as loud as you want because you're in the middle of
2: the ocean <laughs> it's like your own land
4: own island yeah There are no rules. You don't have to wear any clothes. Like, it was just absolute insanity. And it was super, like, loving and sweet. And then it was also debaucherous as hell. There's so many people, like, hooking up. Sure. (laughs) And it was. Such a good time it was like one of those things where you're like, it's debaucherous, but like in the most beautiful
3: way. Cruises yeah. <laughs> are amazing. We're like platinum yeah. members for Disney Cruise Line. We have four kids, so yes, yeah, so we've been we taking them on some cruises. Do yeah. the Disney route. Got, I'm on the casha cruise. I don't know if it's like age appropriate. Well, no, it's on the cruise. They're fine.
2: It's got to be like a Kesha daycare area on the boat or something. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>.
3: Kesha club.
2: <laughs> do you get like, this is a, probably a stupidest question, but how do you handle like getting seasick? Do you like, when I go to a cruise and we've seen like people perform, I go, how are they not like retching up there? How do they not get seasick? I'm
4: very lucky. I'm a Pisces and my most comfortable time is being on the open ocean. Like I love to I love going diving. I love diving in like shipwrecks, which also, if you like creepy shit, that's a really creepy thing to do. If you're ever interested, if you go deep sea diving, like scuba diving, you can go into shipwrecks and caves. That shit's creepy. But I just am kind of a water baby. Like, I knock on wood. I'm very lucky I don't get seasick and.
3: Yeah, I just am praying that that's going to continue forward. <laughs>
2: sure, sure. Is yeah. there
3: somewhere that you go that you're really inspired by, where you go to create? Currently, my backyard is where I'm creating
4: stuff because, you know, COVID. I've set up a little like psychedelic studio in my backyard, and it's all like kind of coming together, and I'm I'm creating this magical little area in my backyard. I got a palm tree named Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> and I like pray to the universe to send me inspiration and I actually spend a lot of time like if I'm really lacking inspiration, especially during this time when you can't really do much. I like watching like old classic films. That's always inspirational. Nicolas Cage movies, always inspirational and going into the ocean and like paddle boarding and there were dolphins and stuff and it just like scares you a little bit and i like that feeling i like the feeling of being a little terrified you see these dorsal fins coming at you and it feels like you're alive
2: well said well yes. kesha thank you so much for taking the time yes. to spend with us today it means everything to us we are such massive fans and yes. congratulations on absolutely everything you got going on right yes. now and we appreciate it all so much this
4: is so sweet. thank you so For that, like, amazing intro. I'm serious. It's the nicest thing I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh, Kesha. Uh
1: Thank you. That was the Book Group Podcast, episode 203. Special thanks to our guest, Kesha. Follow her at... I is who I is on Instagram
2: and at Kesha Roads on Twitter. At time of release, get Kesha's latest album High Road as well as her new single Stronger available everywhere now.
3: Music for this episode from Kesha. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Crew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at